Welcome everybody to Big Boot Podcast with Sean Wolf Sequera. I'm here today to cover NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Nights 1 and 2. I'm going to give a quick review. Uh, the match of the pre-show had Zoe Stark defeating Tony Storm, which really didn't sit well with me. I didn't like the fact that they tried to push this Zoe girl too hard in her match with EO. And it's just like, what have you done to, you know, just... You're force-feeding it, and I don't like that stuff. They say that it's done about other wrestlers in the past, which I've never believed, but here it's really being done. And then I just knew at the end they would do the stupid thing where EO has to give her, like, and I love EO, everyone knows that, and give her, like, handshake or nod of approval, and it's just it's just so forced. It's like, it's always, you could just see it. It's just like, no, the match wasn't so amazing. It wasn't some incredible performance by the challenger who just got the title shot out of nowhere, where... The champion has to go go over and acknowledge who she beat. It's like Io did it with Rio that made perfect sense. It's like she didn't do that with other opponents who gave her a good match. So why would she do it with someone where it was kind of a mediocre match? And just yeah, it just seems really too forced for me. I don't think she should have beat Tony Storm. Zoe should have beat Tony Storm. Tony already put Io on Io over, which made perfect sense in a great match. Tony's had a great run, one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, very established for veteran at such a young age and she has to put over this talent who hasn't even like really earned anything yet so I didn't like that you know I thought at least give Tony a win over her on the pre-show this girl's new she could eventually work her way up so I wasn't happy about that Pete Dunn beat Kushida in a, in a great back and forth match uh, I enjoyed this I think the right person won here Kushida to me doesn't look weak from his loss he's been putting on better performances than usual since the last takeover against Johnny Wrestling. Uh, Pete Dunne being in the world title picture, I felt needed this victory, so I'm glad that he got it. I feel like he will end up being the next challenger to carry and cross. Unless Balor gets goals for his rematch, I don't see that happening. I think Balor's going to be taking a little break and then end up on Raw or SmackDown. Then again, he could end up there this week, but I'm thinking Pete Dunne's the next challenger to carry and cross his NXT championship. And also, just as I thought... Bronson Reed, in a great performance, defeated LA Knight, Dexter Loomis, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Cameron Grimes, and Leon Ruff. It came down to Swerve and Bronson. I love the way these two work together. So when it came down to them, I was so happy. So back and forth. The last match that I saw between them about two months ago was one of the best matches I've seen in NXT, where Reed also picked up the win there. That's why here... I thought, okay, if Swerve wins, I'm really interested to see him finally get what will happen when he finally gets an opportunity at the North American Championship. And if Bronson wins, Swerve doesn't look bad. He's the heel, and Bronson's kind of just, you know, getting a, on, a, on a good uh, fucking roll right now. But, yeah, Swerve didn't win, and as I thought, Reed won. I was very happy to see that. And then, as you guys know, my prediction was that Bronson would go on the next night to win the North American Championship from Johnny Wrestling. Did he? I will cover that just in just a few. At 16.59, in a match that was no doubt the match, the best match of NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, and one of the best matches ever, Walter defeated Tommaso Ciampa to retain his NXT UK Championship, this match got praise from everyone from Bully Ray to Kevin Nash. It was old school physicality. Or like old school wrestling logic with like 
physicality of the present day, I'd say. Because I feel like they're a lot more physical now. Badass back and forth match. So many great spots. Nothing overdone. Uh, Walter selling his hand when he went for a chop on the outside. By the announcer's table. And just knocked the the covering part in half. Champa brilliantly working his hand. You got like a Death Valley, uh, Death Valley driver. Pretty much that Champa does. Off the second rope. It's like Walter just non-stop with the old school submission holes like Boston Crabs and STFs. There's even one spot where Champa ran into Walter and gave him like 20-something clotheslines. And then finally Walter, Walter still wouldn't go down, and which this is my favorite spot of the match. And then Walter hits him with the chop. Champa goes down but pumps up right after. Does his, you know, the muscular like hulking up pose and then just clotheslines Walter down. It's like there's so many things these guys, you're only as strong as your opponent and both these guys look strong as fuck in this match. Uh, the ending came when Champa took two power bombs and that's when I kind of thought it was over, but he kicked out. I was very happy to see that. And then a final chop from Walter took down my favorite wrestler in NXT, while tied obviously with Karrion Cross. Uh, you know, I think they kind of gave this away when you found out Rampage Brown was the next night was going to be fighting Walter for the championship. But I still picked my boy because even though I, res I respect Walter, but I still picked my boy Champa because I just, you know, I got to have faith. And if my guy did win, I wanted to, to say, be able to say that I picked him too. So kind of expected it to go that way. But I was still, you know, very invested in it, cheering on my guy. Solid match. Uh, Tampa doesn't look fucking weak losing. Walter's range is fucking is the strongest now I think it's ever been because this is definitely the biggest win of his reign and of his WWE career. So fucking I tip my hat to both these guys. I've probably watched this match like three times now. I definitely recommend you do too if you haven't seen it. But you don't have to watch it three times, but just at least watch it once. In a solid NXT Tag Team Championship match to crown new champions since the uh, team of Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch had to relinquish it due to Birch having a shoulder injury. MSK came out on top. I I'm not against this. You know, they're new in the company. They won the D Dusty Classic and this. I'm thinking they're, they're probably on their way to becoming Tag Team of the Year. I have no problem with this. I really wanted the Grizzled Young Vets to take the titles, and those were my picks. I'm thinking they're going to be the team, though, that eventually takes it from MSK in a, and probably in an incredible takeover match. So I'm not opposed to any of this. I, I think these two could have a really great back-and-forth feud. So yeah, props to MSK. And, you know, congrats on their, their two, two biggest wins of fucking their careers. And I hope they do win Tag Team of the Year. I'll, I'll, you know, if they fucking have a solid reign here... Actually, whether they do or not, I think at this stage of the game, like they're pretty much in the running, you'd have to vote for them. In a very, I don't know how to put it, badass, great story. A great story was told here when Io Shirai finally dropped, after 304 days, her NXT Women's Championship to Raquel Gonzalez. Incredible match. I mean, from Io's dives to the outside which I felt she did it better than usual, like knocked fucking Raquel so tall, like six feet tall, that she got her, knocked her right into the barricade, seated. Uh, perfect moonsault on the, the ramp that was basically attached to where you literally like walk into the ring, like it was ring level. 
Well, that was done well too. I mean, everyone knows the spot of the match is when EO climbed on top of the skull at top of the entranceway by the ramp and did uh, her, her vintage crossbody, the genius of the sky. Beautiful fucking, uh, you know, Raquel positioned perfectly. It looked fucking smooth and badass at the same time. EO just proving why, you know, she could just... She's such a daredevil. She's just scared of nothing. The thing she's dove it off, like, she dove off the fucking War Games cage... The in your house house and then now the skull which is pretty much reminiscent of the survivor series 98 set so a badass job there on triple h or whoever came up with that for bringing that back and then the big moments of the match well the big other big moments of the match after that that spot was when eo hit her moonsault and just when you think it actually might be over raquel kicks out Waffles EO with the clothesline that flips her over and then hits her one arm power bomb. Reminiscent a little bit, I've been using that word a lot today, of Diesel to get the win and get the women's championship. Raquel goes over, makes sense. She's been booked strong. I think she's going to be a great champion. EO's already proved she's the best in the world and, and a great champion. 304 days, she's taken them all on. This made perfect sense. No one else made sense to take the title from her. Uh, even if she won this and then Raquel won later. It's like you don't have to have 50-50 booking. So I'm cool with this. I feel now EO will move up to Raw or SmackDown. I look forward to seeing her have a rematch with Sasha. I'm glad that she beat Sasha last year on NXT. Her and Asuka have never faced in WWE. I don't know what they've been waiting for. Uh, Bailey has tweeted out not too long ago that she wants a match with EO. And EO replied back that she would love that too. So... There's just so many options here. I just hope they don't drop the ball like Vince fucking seems to do with Japanese wrestlers or people that don't speak like perfect English. It's just such a, to me, like a prejudice thing, you know? So if they don't speak that good English, you don't push them as hard. Like, what the fuck is that? Yet your company promotes don't be a bully and helping out this charity and that charity. Ah, just my two cents. I, I feel I'm probably right. But, you know, I can't see 100%. Either way, I feel like certain people like AJ Styles, Vince didn't have much faith in him and he proved he was a pit bull and proved he was one of the best of the world. I feel EO is one of those once-in-a-lifetime talents that will prove with her hard work and her matches that don't matter how good her English is and it's not even that like that bad. I think she's going to prove like how good she is to the point where they're going to be forced to fucking use her. At least that's what I'm hoping. I figure with the matches she gives, the talent she has and you know the fact that she is such a daredevil... That you can't deny her. So I'm going to go out and just pretty much, yeah, stick to my guns and the fact that, bad booking or not, she's going to win over everybody in the company if she already hasn't. And she's probably going to have a really good fucking run. Like I'm predicting multiple Raw and SmackDown women's titles for her. I had to re-record because I kept addressing Santos Escobar as the Cruiserweight Championship. And I said it twice by accident. So let's try this again. In the opening match of night two of TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, Santos Escobar, who was previously, now you could say, the interim cruiserweight champion. See, I almost did it again. For some reason, my mouth just keeps wanting to say ship. And he became the undisputed cruiserweight champion when he defeated Jordan Devlin in a great ladder match, very back and forth. Very uh, 
it reminded me a lot of the one that Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon had at WrestleMania 10. I felt they used a lot of the same spots. There's one point where instead of doing the splash like Michaels did to Razor, Devlin did the moonsault off the top of the ladder, perfectly executed, so fucking props to him. The end came when he was knocked off the ladder by Escobar, I believe with a headbutt, and fell through another ladder, breaking it in the corner. So hard-ass fucking bump. He definitely fucking earned his stripes. And Santos Escobar, a future world champion in my opinion, became the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Yes, he did have... There was a point where Devlin had the match won. Legado del Fantasma came out. And so that kind of just helps Devlin not, you know, not look as bad because, I mean, being the true champion, because he really was the true cruiserweight champion, it made sense to, you know, have it where he was about to prove that. But due to the goons running out, Santos Escobar, the emperor of Lucha Libre, won the match instead. Great showing by both. They had Santos Escobar's uh, son come out at the ramp or, or in the ring at the end of the match. I uh, didn't mind this at all as long as he's not on TV every week. <laughs> Inside Dark Order joke. And yeah, he put his mask on him and let him hold one of the titles. Great moment. I know he's a heel, but I guess sometimes NXT tries to give you those... Uh, Heartfelt moments, family moments, even with the, uh, sorry, even with the heels. But then, you know what, then they go back into character right away and, and, and they do it with people that are such good heels that, you know, they could just continue the next day as if none of that, that moment ever even happened. So fucking props to them on that. And in the next match, it was NXT Tag Team Champions, Shotzi Blackheart, and Ember Moon defeating... The ways Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Uh, I was kind of zoning out throughout this match. There was one point where Shotzi went for her dive to the outside. As usual, she almost fucking killed herself. Uh, she's got to learn to control herself better with her dives. Or at least, or, or if you can't do that, don't do the fucking move. It just takes one to break your freaking neck. If you can't do something fucking uh, 10 out of 10 times right, as they say. Because you don't want to do something that fucking 8 out of 9 times fucking perfect. Or even nine, because that one time you're fucked up. Like, fucking, you know, do a move to perfection. Obviously, the, one day it could happen where a little accident or a slip happens. But, uh, you know, once you're practicing it, the execution should be 10 out of 10. So that way you don't injure anyone else or yourself. Uh, big fan of hers, though. It may not sound that way, but I am a big fan of hers. I'm just not a fan of her doing the dive until she either perfects it or realizes that it's stupid to do. Uh, they retained here. It's pretty obvious. They just got the tag titles. Uh, I'm not a fan of this tag team. I'd rather see uh, Shotzi in a singles capacity. But I guess for now, I I, I will be happy that she has a t at least has a title. So, I mean, you also got to look at the positives in the situation. Uh, you know, obviously it was an okay match. I Like I said, I was zoning out from what I was paying attention to. It wasn't terrible. It was, you know, it wasn't amazing. It was just decent. So, either way, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Johnny Gargano fought Bronson Reed. Uh, there were some cool spots towards, especially towards the start of this match. Uh, I really liked at one point where Johnny went to jump in the air and Bronson just kind of just pushed him down. It was pretty funny. Uh, one thing I didn't like, I mean, I, I get that the smaller guys to work over the big guy and pick a limb, but it felt like Johnny dominated like 80% of this match. Uh, for someone being called a colossal, I, I would expect Bronson to have a little more offense than he did, in my opinion. I went to the... You know, the top rope twice and missed both times. Uh, 
don't think it was one of Johnny Gargano's best takeover matches. It wasn't bad. You know, I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I just wish that Bronson had a little more offense. And yeah, that's that's probably one of the reasons I didn't find it to be one of Johnny Takeover's best matches on the in a takeover. Uh, he retained the championship. Uh, that's fine. I was hoping Bronson would get it, and LA Knight would, you know, probably be the one to take it eventually. But if Johnny retained, gut feeling now tells me that, which I would be totally happy about, is that if Dexter Loomis ends up being the next champion. I mean, if Johnny has a, a good continued reign, that's fine. But I just, I figure when I look at the roster now, I think, yeah, Dexter Loomis makes the most sense. He's really great in the role that he plays. He's fucking acts out his character to a T. I just, the movements, the facial reactions, like he's just so good at it. Great matches on top of it. I love his submission finish. I think this guy is the perfect guy to be the one to be the next North American championship. So that's my prediction there. In a match... Which at first it was it was you know it was a great story. Cross was hitting a few of the hard hits, but Finn Balor was trying to wear him out, wear down the limbs, and then it started to become towards the middle a little too much like the Bronson Gargano match where it's like okay Balor's dominating him too much, but then I guess they're also trying to show that Cross could really sell because he hasn't had to sell much in his NXT run thus far, but then it started to pick up. Cross would get some good offense, and Cross said every hit you're gonna feel it you know for the rest of your life later on. So then. As the match drew on, it showed that Cross could last, and he was still hitting his hard hits. And then towards the end, when I was actually like, fuck, Balor's actually going to take this. Like, he hit the coup de grace, Cross kicked out, and then just out of nowhere, he snatched him to the Cross jacket. And you thought that might have been it, and then I was like, oh, fuck, Balor better not roll over like that Bret Hart Stone Cold Survivor Series pin, which he did into a stomp, thank God. <laughs> And as much as I love Balor, like, you know, Cross is my guy. Him and Champ are my favorites. So I wanted uh, Cross to win, get his belt back. Cross, you know, then ended up just hitting up some hard fucking, like, belly to belly off the ground. Fucking a couple of Doomsday Saidos. And then finally, he hit the times up for him to the back of the head. And Balor sold it like fucking, you know, like he'd been hit in the head with a fucking sledgehammer. Fucking so well done. Cross... Karrion Cross becomes a two-time NXT champion, the undisputed, well, I guess, no, Balor was the undisputed champion, so I guess, you know, now, though, Karrion Cross takes his rightful place as the two-time NXT champion, he can finally have the run that he was meant to have before his shoulder injury made him have to give up the title last uh, August, so I was very happy. Thought overall, you know, match was a little slow at first. That's the way it meant to be. But once you got to the end of the match, it told a great story. Finn making himself, Finn wearing him out, trying to, you know, stick to what he said in the video packages, how he's just going to show that Cross couldn't outlast him. And then Cross stuck to his guns by saying every hit was going to count, which it did. So, yeah, fucking, you know, great story told. The outcome that I felt was needed. Uh, if Balor does move up to Raw or SmackDown, this is the best Balor we've ever seen in NXT and just in the company in general. So I'm thinking this guy's just got to be fucking jumping into a main event level somewhere. I mean, obviously maybe not right away, but this guy's, you know, all about main event feuds and main event titles from here on out. I look forward to see where he goes from here. I feel Pete Dunne will be the first guy to take on cross Forest championship. It makes sense since, you know, reality wise and storyline wise, they'll be like, it was Karrion Cross who took out Danny Burch 
to his shoulder, injured his shoulder, to the point where him and Oni Lorcan had to give up their tag titles. Great story there. Pete Dunne will say that, you know, he... He, he last pinned the former champion in the six-man tag, Balor, but since Balor no longer has the belt, he wants a shot. Or maybe Pete Dunne will end up getting a win over Balor. Balor can afford another loss. It doesn't make him, maybe that could be his, his going-away match. And then, you know, Dunne earns his shot. Either way, that's the way I'm looking at it. Next takeover, I'm thinking Karrion Cross versus Pete Dunne. Or even that could be, like, leading up to the next takeover, and that could be anywhere within the next, I don't know, month or so. Because maybe now that they're moving to Tuesdays, they're going to need some fucking hyped up main events to boost up the ratings. And the main event of night two, to me, it was just a little too much. Uh, I was really thrown off when Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in their unsanctioned match came out to new themes. Especially really hurt for Cole. It wasn't the same without that Undisputed Era song and the boom. It just It's like he didn't know when to do it. Not his fault, of course. Uh, a lot of the spots just fell for us. Like they're just fighting, trying to be extreme when it's not really their thing. I mean, the chain was brought in. That was all right. They both went through the 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 steel stage when they're both light as fuck. Like it just made no sense. It, like if it was Bigelow and RVD back in the ECW days, I I could understand it. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly got suplexed on the steel steps just like he did about a month ago, which put him on a stretcher and took him out. But yet this time, miraculously, within like three, four minutes, he's he's got Cole in a submission hold. Like there was no selling. The the bumps were... It's like they were just going through the motions of just get the extreme spots down, but we don't have to sell it. It's like a ooh-ah moment. As soon as they went through the steel thing, like Kyle had already crawled out. Or sorry, Cole had already crawled out of it. And he's like the tiny guy. He's like the smaller guy, he's small dude. And he, he went through the stage, or sorry, through the, the ramp, the aisleway, which is like steel. And then fucking, <laughs> like what, a minute or two, he's, he's going through it. I just felt like they just dragged it out. Uh, I hate when I have to be this critical about stuff, especially with like two guys I like. But I just thought they were trying too hard to make it hardcore and, and you know, get the oh my God moments. It just didn't, didn't mesh for me. Uh, either way, still love both guys. Just I would never rank this as a match of the year. I wish the cross match was the main event. I wish the lasting thing I saw to end the weekend, or sorry, the uh, I should say the, the two-day event was cross holding the championship. But either way, overall, great show. I enjoyed night one better. Because I thought it was only fair if I say which night I like better. I like night one better overall. Uh, I also think that that's in part because of uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter, to me, was the match of TakeOver, as I said earlier. And not only that, it was the match of the week thus far. Today's WrestleMania, night one. Obviously, night two is tomorrow. When I review that after it's all said and done... That's when I'm going to give my match of the week, of WrestleMania week. But for now, it's Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter. Hope you guys enjoy WrestleMania weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon.